Welcome to Multifamily Real Estate Investing presented by Mara Poling. My name is Pat Poling. I'm the founder and CEO of Mara Poling, and I'm happy to be with you today to discuss value add math. If you've done any research or had any involvement in the multifamily industry, you have certainly heard the term value add. And today we're going to talk about the math behind value add, which hopefully helps uh, open the door a little bit to increased understanding of why we do value add and the mechanics of how it works. And we'll go ahead and get started. If you have questions, please feel free to shoot me an email, pat at marapoling.com, M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G.com. And you should uh, feel free to swing by the website, marapoling.com. Lots of good educational material there as well. And please subscribe to our podcast, Multifamily Real Estate Investing, presented by Mara Poling, so that you don't miss out on any of our new content that comes out weekly. All right, let's dive into value-add math. First, what's, what do we mean by value-add? So as I said, if you've been doing any research or been involved in multifamily for a length of time, you've heard the term value-add. For those of you that are new or that are maybe not quite sure what the term value add means, uh, let's let's get, get into that real briefly. So value add is when an investor like us, whether it's Mara Poling or if you have an individual property you own yourself, invests in an asset with the intent to add value to it. So not just some willy-nilly, gee, I think, uh, I think I'd like seeing prettier flowers, uh, which flowers are great, um, but a very specific investment in which I'm intending to add value to the property. Uh, it might be adding washer-dryer hookups, or it might be new appliance packages, or it could be a common area amenity like a, uh, an outdoor kitchen or a... Um, uh, an upgrade to the swimming pool, all sorts of different things. But the idea is to add value to the property. In order to add value to the property, you need a property that you can add value to. That might sound a little circular, but let's think about that for a minute. If we went out and purchased a brand new asset, right? It's just been developed. The developer got it uh, finished construction uh, a year ago, uh, certificate of occupancy in hand, began the lease up, uh, they've now got it 90% occupied and we step in and buy it. What could we do to add value to that? There might be something. It would really be difficult because it's a brand new property. It essentially is going to have, you would expect, all of the characteristics and amenities that the market desires, at least if it was built by a developer uh, with that kind of thinking in mind. That's why we hunt back in the... 70s and 80s where the boom was in terms of class b building and while those assets are rarely vintage meaning most of them have had some renovation done to them think about it they're they're 30 plus year old assets odds are they don't have the original interiors in them uh, but they may, or they may have some vestige of that, right? Like original cabinetry, as an example. So when you can find a property that has some of that original or older uh, interiors in particular, then there's opportunities there to bring that up to a current standard. Uh, and in doing so, by adding that value to the asset, 
we should see improvements in returns compared to not doing that. So that's the logic behind a value add is we want to make an investment in an asset, an asset that we specifically purchased with the intention of doing value add. We want to make that investment and then monetize that in terms of a cash return and an increase in the actual value of the property. So how does that work? Well, I've got two examples I want to walk through. And obviously, as the title for today's session uh, dictates, uh, value add math, we're going to do some math. I'm going to make the math as simple as I can, because I know most of you are listening either behind the wheel or on a treadmill or on your bike or, uh, or possibly on the couch uh, relaxing uh, and aren't getting up to run, get a pad and paper. Uh, so let's we'll walk through this uh, conceptually. It should make a lot of sense to you. If you want to sit down and and listen to the session again with pad and paper and do some of the math, that's great uh, as well. So I'm going to walk through two examples. Um, the first is the most typical one you're going to hear, uh, and in particular, if you do work with us, this is something we're going to do on every single one of our assets when we purchase a property we are going to make a value add investment in interiors. It may be slightly different from asset to asset. There are some assets that are going to have some level of improvements already done to them by prior owners. And there are others that are going to need a significant amount of work. There are also differences in markets. Some markets will be a market where uh, hard surface countertops, as an example, granite or some other kind of stone or faux stone uh, may be uh, necessary to be competitive. Most of the markets that we've operated in in the last few years, a resurfaced countertop has worked uh, sufficiently fine. Uh, and so you'll see that sort of range. So the math I'm laying out isn't necessarily the example of what we would do in each and every case. Uh, but it's a good in, uh, a good sample to um, to start with. So let's take that that property we've purchased, and it's got a tired interior. So we could do some upgraded appliances, resurface the countertop, uh, maybe some paint for the cabinets, paint for the walls, some uh, upgraded paints, flooring. That's typically part of a package. And let's just, for our purposes today, say that we can do that for six thousand dollars for each and every unit that we do that on. So we're going to make a $6,000 capital investment. And in return, we're going to move the rent $125. So that's $1,500 a year that comes in in revenue. And almost every bit of that is going to fall all the way through to the net operating income line. So remember, revenue minus operating expenses gives you the net operating income. Operating expenses aren't going to increase generally because of this improvement that we're making. They may change some. For example, if we're doing fixtures, uh, plumbing fixtures or lighting fixtures, it's possible that some of those expenses could actually come down, uh, especially if it's a, a if it's a property where maybe there's an all bills paid uh, segment uh, to it. So there's some possibility there that we'd see some reduction. Uh, we likely will see a near-term reduction in turnover expense. So when we do an improvement and then someone moves out of the unit a year from now or two years from now, and we go in to clean the unit, uh, that unit's gonna be in much, much better shape than a unit that we haven't touched that's been untouched for 10 or 15 or 20 years. So there'll be some reductions there. 
there will be some additional expenses in that property management expense is a function of revenue. So as revenue goes up, so does property management expense. So they kind of net each other out. For our purposes today, we're simply going to say that that 125 a month, 1500 a year falls all the way through to net operating income. And as we've said in the past, net operating income is the key, the key metric, underline the. It is the key metric that drives everything that goes on in terms of the performance of the asset because NOI is what drives cash flow and NOI is what drives valuation, which is the, the vehicle for equity growth or the primary vehicle, if you will, for equity growth. So we've got $1,500 in additional revenue, net net, no new expense, $1,500 in increased net operating income. So that's a $1,500 increase in cash flow for a $6,000 investment. That's a 25% cash on cash return. I uh, joked with someone uh, last week when we were out uh, visiting one of our assets, I'd love to be the, the guy that gets to invest just in the value add piece. Wouldn't that be wonderful? A 25% cash on cash return. So that's a really nice cash on cash return that will increase the cash on cash return of the entire asset, right? It's gonna take the base cash on cash return and it's gonna move it north. Another thing to keep in mind when we talk about that cash return is we have to come up with the $6,000, right? So we've got to write a check for $6,000 to do that improvement at a 25% cash return, $1,500 a year, Four years from now, I fully recovered the $6,000 in cash that I laid out. Uh, and I can do whatever I want to do with that cash, right? I might be distributing it to investors uh, from that standpoint. I might be reinvesting that in some other uh, portion of the, uh, the fund, for example, which is one of our investment vehicles. Um, but that cash is not just uh, a great number. Uh, it actually is real dollars that we get back that allow us to keep this machine moving and going forward. So that's half of the equation. The other half of the equation is the increase in value, which is what gives the activity the, the term value add. So we've got $125 a month, $1,500 a year, $1,500 a year, and we're just gonna assume that we're dealing with a, uh, a six cap, right? So this is a marketplace where uh, if you're going to invest uh, $100,000, you're going to get $6,000 of net operating income, right? So that's the that's the ratio, that's the relationship. So here on this particular unit, we have increased the net operating income for that unit by $1,500. So if we divide that by the six cap, what we get is $25,000. So that unit is now worth $25,000 more than it was before we did that value add because the net operating income for that is higher. Now, this is one of those things, you know, every week we talk about a lot of different strategies and I'm, it's very common that you'll hear me say 90% of what we do in this commercial space, right? 100 units, 200 units, 400 units, and so on, where Mara Polling operates is transferable to those of you that have single family rentals or a duplex or something like that. And that is true, 90%. This is one of the areas that might fall into that 10%. Commercial properties are valued based on net operating income. They're businesses. When we 
buy and sell apartment buildings. We're buying and selling a rental business. And the more income that it generates, the more valuable it is. And that's why when I can add $1,500 in net operating income to a unit, that unit becomes $25,000 more valuable. That may not be the case if you've got a fourplex or a triplex or a duplex. And it's almost certainly not the case in a single family rental, because when you go to sell that single family rental, it's going to be going up against other single family properties in the marketplace, which are not rentals. They're, they're simply gonna sell for whatever the market is for a single family. It's possible that you might not move your net operating income at all and be able to sell your property for more than what you paid for it because the market simply went up. Conversely, you could significantly increase the net operating income your rental is generating, and you might not see any increase in value for it because the market didn't move just on its own. Uh, so they're, they're much more independent of each other in that residential space than in the commercial space. So I diverge there. So what we're looking at here is a significant increase in the value of the asset, uh, 25,000, now some of you might say, well, it's really 19,000 because you had to spend six to do it. And you're absolutely right. So we got a net increase of 19,000 and we also get the 6,000 back over the course of four years. So you can do the math a couple different ways on that. It's obviously a very nice return. Let's do another example. So that's a, a unit example. And you would do that on 50% of the units or 75% or 90% on some percentage of the units in a property. You might ask, well, why wouldn't you do it on all the units? And the answer to that question is, if we're gonna do 80 or 90%, we would probably prefer to do all of the units. There are long tenured tenants that simply aren't gonna move out. Uh, and it's gonna be difficult to get those done. Tenants aren't gonna move, especially a tenant that's been somewhere for five or eight or 10 years. They're not gonna move out of a specific unit that they're in and into another. It's very rare that that would happen. Um, so you're going to end up with some units that you're just not going to get a chance to do. So when we do our underwriting, we might underwrite 50% underwrite of the units because we've got a strategy where we're going to have some classic units and some improved units. Uh, or we might underwrite 90%. We'll, we're not going to underwrite 100%. So that's on a per unit basis. Now let's talk about an improvement, a value add that would be a value add for the property as a whole, right? So this isn't anything that is unit specific. This is a, uh, an improvement you're making to the asset that you're going to monetize in some way. These are more difficult to do. There are improvements you can make to the property that effectively you really can't monetize in part because they're already monetized as part of simply being a tenant. Give you a great example, the parking lot, right? Tenants expect the parking lot to be in good repair. They expect to not have to drive through a bunch of potholes uh, for it to be well marked uh, so that it's a safe place to park for themselves and for their, for their vehicle. So we can't go out and repair and improve the parking lot and do new striping and those sorts of things and then charge people for it because we're already charging that in rent. We could, you could, you could certainly try, but I don't think that's going to be very successful. I've, I've not seen that. So we're not talking about those kinds of improvements. We're talking about an actual amenity that's being added that can be charged for. So this could be, for example, valet trash. That's uh, something that's becoming more and more common in this space. 
Uh, it could be a physical amenity, right? So it could be a uh, improvement to the common area, maybe an outdoor kitchen or some improvement to the, uh, to the pool. Uh, it could be the addition of a fitness center or a significant overhaul of the fitness center. Um, package lockers, that's something we're seeing more and more of. So there's a whole lot of different things that could be done that would be common area improvements uh, that everyone in the property would benefit from. So the example we're going to use here is that we're making a $20,000 improvement like that. So it's one of those things that I just mentioned. You could pick whichever one you want to use in your head. But it's a $20,000 investment. And we've got a small property. It's only 100 units. So a 100-unit property, and we're going to charge a $5 fee. So this isn't rent. This is an extra little fee on their uh, on their lease. $5 for, and like I said, it's whatever these items might happen to be that we've come up with. Now, $5 doesn't sound like a lot of money, especially when you think, gosh, we're investing $20,000 and we're only getting five bucks back. I don't know that that's a really good return. Well, let's take a look at the math. So $5, 100 units times 12 months. So that's $6,000 a year. Now, you're not going to get $6,000 a year because this doesn't take vacancy into account, right? So you're going to get a little less than $6,000. But again, to make the math easy for us here, we'll just use $6,000 as the number. So a $6,000 return, because again, that revenue is falling all the way through to the, um, the bottom line, to the net operating income line. A $6,000 return on a $20,000 investment is a 30% cash on cash return. That's a better cash on cash return than we saw for the $125 rent increase on the $6,000 uh, improvement in the, uh, in the individual asset. So this is a nice return, right? So five bucks doesn't seem like much, but when you get the leverage, if you will, of the entire property paying that over the course of a year, it becomes more uh, significant from that standpoint. So you've got a 30% cash return. That means that in a little over three years, you're gonna get that $20,000 back. So that's faster than the four-year return on the, uh, on the individual unit that we described. And at a six cap, right? At a six cap, that $6,000 is $100,000. So we just added $100,000 in value to this asset with a $20,000 investment. And by the way, it's one $20,000 investment. So we can we do it at once, unlike the units that are spread out over the course of 12 or 18 or 24 months before you can get all of the units done, because you have to wait until tenants move out of the unit to be able to do that work. This is something you can simply identify and move in, do the work, make the investment, and then the $5 gets added in as tenants uh, cycle through. So it does take 12 months to realize the value, uh, but you begin realizing some of the value uh, immediately and you can do the entire project all at once. So it does come on the books a little bit faster. Either one of those are great investments. And as I joked a moment ago, you might look at that and go, wow, then the returns that you must see should be huge. If you're seeing 25 to 30% cash on cash returns, and if you're getting, you know, increases in value, uh, on the order of what you're describing here, that's that's really substantial. Yes, it is. 
And we need to keep in mind that these are value-add improvements on top of the net investment that we've already made. So if we purchased a unit, a uh, hundred unit property, and we paid $100,000 for every one of those units, so a $10 million property, you know, if we can increase the value by 25,000, that's absolutely a significant improvement but we've still got a $100,000 base that we're dealing with. And the cash return on that base is modest. Uh, and the, the standard kind of rent growth that's baked in is gonna be modest. It's a few percent a year. So value add is a great way to move returns up. Value add is not gonna turn returns into 20% cash or 15% cash. It's not gonna give you an IRR of 25 or 30. If you see those, and those are out there, you'll see investments that look like that. If that's what you're looking at, those are moving through the value add space and more into the rehab space, where you're doing a much heavier lift. I've, I saw a deal just the other day that I was taking a look at that uh, was $30,000 a door was the investment that was being made. And the property absolutely needed it, and it looked like it was a really good investment. Uh, it was a good, good asset, it was in a good market, it made a lot of sense to make that kind of investment. There's a different risk profile when you're investing $30,000 a door in a rehab than when you're investing $6,000 a door in a light value add, as we do. Uh, that doesn't mean that one is better than the other. They're just different, and that's something everyone should keep in mind when you're looking at potential investments is where they're going to fit in your particular portfolio. Are these on the uh, speculative end of the spectrum? Are they more in the higher risk uh, category? Or are these uh, safe, secure investments, which, again, that's the space that we tend to, um, to operate in. So uh, it's important to understand... Uh, how value add works because it is an important part of how uh, the vast majority of multifamily investments that you're going to look at are, um, are structured. Uh, you should be able to see that math. If you don't see that math, you ought to be able to ask questions about it so you can get a, your head around how that works uh, so that you can understand how the, uh, what the plan is for making all of that uh, occur. Uh, for those of you that are managing your own portfolios, again, 90% of what we talk about is applicable to you. Uh, and when you're looking at making an improvement to your asset, you want to do it in, with the mindset of, all right, I'm going to get a cash return. That's, that's going to happen whether it's in the residential space or in this commercial space. You're going to see that cash improvement because you're going to be able to raise the rent. You need to make an assessment as to whether or not you're going to be able to realize an increase in the actual value of the asset uh, from the investment. And then that may uh, have an impact on what you choose to do or don't choose to do in terms of making any, uh, any improvements. If you have questions about this, feel free to shoot me an email, pat at marapolling.com. I hope you found today valuable, and I invite you to join us again next time for multifamily real estate investing presented by Mara Poling.